it was eye-opening making the jump to my next role and realizing that there were more females in SE and SE leadership than I had realized. Welcome to Presales Heroes by Vivin. I'm your host and presales evangelist, Perry Bronson. Today, I'm here with Courtney Zom, Senior Manager of Solutions Engineering at Sprout Social. And we're going to be talking about empowering women in presales. Happy to have you here, Courtney. I'd love to hear a bit about how you got into presales. We call this your hero origin story. Also, where are you hailing in from today and how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me today. I hail from Norwalk, Connecticut, which if you've never heard of Norwalk, that's okay. I'm about an hour north of New York City, just to kind of give you a geography lesson. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Sounds like a beautiful part of the world and hopefully getting a little bit warmer now that spring has sprung. It absolutely is. I actually just took my last meeting from my porch and we'll continue to do that throughout the summer season. It's a nice way to break up the day as well. Fabulous. You've got a lot of good ground that you've covered in pre-sales. So how did how did you get started? How did you end up where you are today? Yeah. So like a lot of pre-sales professionals, I took a very wandering, meandering path to get here. Probably never expected to be in sales. I went to school for film studies and fully expected to teach film for the rest of my life. If you can't already tell, I love talking to folks and getting in front of a room. But what ended up happening was after I graduated from college, wasn't ready to continue on with the education that would have been required to become a professor of film studies. And so I ended up at a recruitment staffing firm, which very quickly transitioned to a role at Indeed.com answering a 1-800 number. I talked to customers all day long, about cost per click advertising and how to use our software. And then I was able to parlay that into kind of an onboarding role with a very small book of business. So it was really a crash course in like how customers are supported throughout their life cycle from interest to evaluation to sale to then customer and client support long term. But of course, my favorite part of all of that was taking people through the product. And when I found out about the SE role, I was like a light bulb moment of, oh, this is my dream job. I would love to do this and landed a role at a small data backup and disaster recovery company called Datto. uh, And I've been in the profession ever since. Wow, that's an interesting background. I love the film studies aspect. We have a really cool blog post out there about um, how giving a good demo is a lot like a movie trailer. So I feel like we should probably uh, collaborate with you on tricks of the trade, having studied film. And I relate to the customer service kind of entry point. For me, that was the same. It was a community management and customer support role at a peer-to-peer marketplace and literally got my foot in the door into tech, had no idea what I was doing. I had studied sociology and it was a great way for me to realize that I do like talking to people, but I knew I wanted to get closer to the product. And for me, that was what springboarded my interest in web development. And so I took night classes to bootstrap myself to get to the point where I could have a more technical role. But certainly I was, I was one of the few people on the team who wasn't afraid to actually get on the phone. Most of our support was done via email. It's an interesting hybrid there of being happy to talk to people, but then also wanting to go deep and, and really understand the problems and how the, the technology can solve them, right? Absolutely. And I could probably talk about the comparison of being an SE to being a filmmaker 
for hours if you let me. <laughs> you have an interesting role where you are director, cinematographer, and in charge of the soundtrack, if that makes sense, or maybe audio engineer, making sure that the messages that you're delivering line up with what the customer is seeing at any given moment, making sure that all looks really good and having control over their view. It's something I think about a lot and, and coach on as well with my team. Fabulous. I feel a blog post coming, a follow-up. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you have a stint at Geek Squad? Yeah. So so that's funny. When I was in college, I started out in community college and sold in the computer department at Best Buy and got tapped to be a geek. I mostly managed the front desk, answered phones, logged tickets. It was kind of like a crash course in customer support plus managing sort of like a department that fixed things. And of course, as an SE, you're constantly thinking about like how stuff works, diagnosing problems, fixing things. So all roads lead back to solutions engineering. But it's how actually I met a lot of my very good friends. And it is actually how I transitioned into the SE role, believe it or not, because I had that tech background. I understood Microsoft, Windows, operating systems, data backup, how hard drives worked, things like that helped me get into the role. Totally. Just having that really strong foundation and understanding, well, hardware too, probably in some ways with Geek Mm -hmm. Squad. Groundwork for solutioning really is, you may not know everything about every problem that's going to be put in your lap, but you understand enough about the landscape, the ecosystem to go and problem solve and to follow along with what is the customer explaining? What are they struggling with? So you ended up at Datto, which is disaster data disaster recovery. Tell me a little bit about what it was like working there. This seems like an industry that you know may not have a ton of, of women in general. How was it in the pre-sale side? Yeah. So when I joined, there was probably only about six or seven people on the pre-sales team. And I was the only woman at the time and actually continued to be throughout my time with the company, which was a pretty... I don't want to call it like a lonely experience because I developed incredible relationships with those pre-sales engineers and with our broader sales team, but it definitely did not necessarily feel representative as far as like male to female ratios. It was a largely male dominated uh, sales floor. And and of course my team was male dominated too, but it was also actually quite rare for me to get on the phone with another woman. I think that like data backup in IT space at the time was very male dominated too. If anything, if I did get on the phone with like a female sys admin or like a, a female on the client side, we would get so excited and be like, oh my gosh, I never get to talk to women. This is so great. <laughs> um, so I did have those connection points sometimes, but largely a lot of situations, I was one of the few females in the room. I don't think that's an uncommon experience, especially in the more technical engineering focused spaces. I've found that it really varied company to company too when I was working in more technical roles. So I was um, the only woman at a development shop where I worked for a few years and ended up moving to Poland with that company and met another female who was actually at the time a really overqualified, basically office admin secretary. I mean, she had a master's degree in chemistry. So, you know, she was clearly bored and ended up getting to mentor her. Um, and then that company since has has hired lots more women. And, and that particular woman I mentored is, took her career really far with the, the company as well. And I think ended up hiring more women in that office in Poland too, which was cool. And then I remember the next company I went to was another dev shop. So out of the gate, there was a bunch of female engineers, which I thought was really cool. So I think there's some vibe of like clustering. Once you get one in, we attract more, but it also can rely on the role and what are the expectations of 
people in technical roles at certain companies, depending on how technical is the product, how much client-facing interaction is there. Yeah. I, I mean, the company after that, I was one of the only women again. And then I, the next company, <laughs> Dynamic Signal, which I met you, Courtney, through Chris Brown, who is a pre-sales leader at Dynamic Signal. He's also a customer of Vivin. So yes, I used to work there and we had a lot of women on the pre-sales team, which I, was very different for me. I mean, I had worked with women in the sort of engineering space my only other role in pre-sales before Dynamic Signal was at a company called Localytics. And I think we had one other female, but she was across the country. I never really worked with her too much. So it was uh, it was very different going through that, that cycle of being the only woman in the room at several of those companies to being in the majority as a woman. From your experience, what what is what has it been like going to companies where there are more women in pre-sales? And what kind of challenges do you face as a woman in pre-sales? It was eye-opening making the jump to my next role and realizing that there were more females in SE and SE leadership than I had realized and recognizing that there is an entire like profile for solutions engineers that doesn't always necessarily have to relate back to that deep technical background, coding, engineering, data science, there are other roles that translate really well. Sales is one of those roles. Uh, customer success is one of those roles. Marketing is one of those roles. As long as you are able to articulate how software works to help people make a buying decision and tell a really great story around the value that software can bring to an individual, their team, and their organization, we can teach some of those other skills around how APIs work, how data transfers between uh, one system or another, or what the cloud is. Those are all things that we can educate on. It's really about finding people that you can put in front of a room and influence a decision. I think that was really my experience at Dynamic Signal too. I was coming in with actually more technical background than a lot of teams. It was kind of cool to be like one of the more technical people on the team and to be a woman because oftentimes I was not put in the corner, but you know, certainly whatever technical chops I've developed on my own were, were not mm -hmm. as strong as a lot of engineers I've worked with in the past. So yeah. it was a it was a cool experience to actually be in that role where I, I did get to kind of teach the team a, a bit about um, how do our APIs work? How does this data flow, authentication, all kinds of things that men, men and women on the team didn't know back up to several years ago. I also learned from being on that more balanced team how to be a better people person. I had focused so much on trying to strengthen my technical skills and I'd been a technical project manager. So being very deadline driven, being very deliverable driven and not as focused on how does the other person I'm talking to or working with on this project feel? And that when that's your customer or your buyer, that's really important. And so I actually really learned that through my relationship with other females. And uh, at the PSC event, the next leadership was this idea of friend tours and mentors in, in pre-sales. And somebody made this interesting joke on one of your talks about how do you transition from a frenemy to a friend tour? I actually had a bit of a frenemy in one of these women that was way better on the people side, way better at giving a shiny, flashy presentation than I was, but I was better on the technical side. And so I think we had a bit of a bit of comp Competition, a bit of frenemy vibes, and mm -hmm. how how it changed. I think into more of a friend tour. What is that? We should explain in a moment. But more of a friendly kind of mentorship. Let's build and learn from each other and our differences. How it changed was being a little bit more raw and asking her what I needed from her to to get that mentorship. 
And how do I say this? It wasn't a confrontation, but it was like a moment of vulnerability of, I don't know how to do some of these wonderful things you do with clients. And that opened up a space for her to be like, oh, well, I don't know how to do some of these more technical things. Together, though, we were able to build this really great uh, alliance. And I feel like I'm a much better professional because of it. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to define at least how I think about these friend tourships for the audience. So when you typically think about like a mentor or a sponsor, you think about them as maybe having a bit more experience than you or being in a role that you're aspiring for. And so you want to spend time with them to learn from them to hopefully get where they are someday. And I think those relationships are so important and lean into those earlier into your career if you can, um, regardless of what career path you want to take in pre-sales. But when I think about this concept of friendship, it's folks that are on the same or similar level as me. So today I'm a frontline leader. And so I have these friendships with other frontline leaders, which especially in this remote environment, when we're all working in different places, it's really easy to like have your head down and be in your lane in your zone. These friendships help me like pick my head up, recognize like I'm not alone in some of the challenges that I'm dealing with, whether it's with my team, my personal development, you know, partnerships. So it definitely helps me feel less alone, but we also have started sharing best practices. What are you doing in your team meetings? Um, how do you think about long-term career development? How have you operationalized things like having career development conversations? These friendships have really helped me define some of that and grow as a as a leader and as a pre-sales professional. What, what I'll say is interesting about this concept of the frenemy is as women in our careers, it is actually easy to get very intimidated by other women. To your point earlier, like folks who are better at something than you, there is like a little bit of competition, I think, in a lot of us in pre-sales. Um, but I would actually lean into maybe some of that discomfort or even imposter syndrome that you might feel relative to a peer and turn that frenemy into a friend tour. And you are really great at this. And I want to learn from you and help me understand what I can learn from you or what you can learn from me as well. So that that is a mutual friendship. I, I gotta say, I love this term. Did you did you coin this friend tour phrasing? Or is this something that you've heard before? I don't know if I've ever heard it before. So I, I'm going to take credit. <laughs> Yeah, I think you get all the credit until uh, until proven otherwise. But I, what's really cool about it is the idea of getting a mentor feels so formal. And I don't know that I've ever had like a formal mentor in my career, but I've had so many mentors, friends that I mentored and mentored me. And it's just mm -hmm. this sort of natural bi-directional thing. Whereas when you're mentoring, and I, I've mentored as a volunteer, I've mentored students. I'm mentoring a, a college student right now. She's a first generation student to, to go to college in her family and by the structure of the relationship where I have been to college, she is going to college for the first time. It's a lot of giving advice and kind of learning from the experience of, of what she's going through, but not learning from her giving me advice, if that makes sense. But with a friend tour, friend and a mentor, it just feels much more naturally uh, bi-directional. Yeah. And, and I think there's situations where that mentor, at least how I think about them is like, aspirational, like this is what I, where I'm trying to get to and I'm leaning on this person for their experience. Those friend tours are maybe some of the relationships where I feel I can be a little bit more vulnerable perhaps because they can relate to me. You know, they're also a frontline leader, a first time leader, someone who's like kind of in the trenches, so to speak with me and experiencing a lot of this stuff, this pain day to day versus maybe, um, 
those mentors, I can certainly lean on them for all of this stuff, but I feel like I can be, there's that safe place for that vulnerability with these relationships too. Yeah. And I think being able to be vulnerable is so important, especially with all of the imposter syndrome that's happening in the world. And this isn't certainly isn't just something that women experience. The way I identify with experiencing imposter syndrome is usually through the lens of being a female. Um, Actually, I also went to community college. You mentioned that earlier. That was how I got my start in higher education. And I think I experienced a lot of imposter syndrome around that. I'm curious to hear from you and your experience. Who's experiencing imposter syndrome? Uh, You may know more of this as a manager as well as a, a mentor and why. Yeah, I, I think when we think about women in pre-sales, whether at the contributor or the leadership level, it's quite easy to feel that imposter syndrome if you are one of or the only female in the room because you already feel like this added pressure of like, I I am that lone female. I have to know all the answers and say the right things so that I represent myself well and make space for and provide opportunity for more women to come into this space. So I do feel like there's a lot of pressure there and almost sort of feeling like I've been granted this opportunity and I have to make sure I don't mess it up. Yeah, like don't make us look bad. All eyes are new. You're representing all of the women that might ever work here in the future. No, I'm just kidding. It's not really. (laughs) No, but it feels that way. It does. Yeah. And so I think I had heard from you previously that Sprout Social is one of these teams where the pre-sales is, is actually very balanced with the, the men to women ratio. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's something that A, has meant a lot to me as a female leader in pre-sales is bringing women up into this profession. But we've also just gotten some rock star candidates who also very much happen to be women that we've been able to bring on to the team. That's so great. Mm-hmm. And having spoken with other pre-sales leaders where for whatever reason, they're not getting the candidates that they want in a balanced way when it comes to gender, some ideas for how to how to source those candidates. Always the land and expand, right? Get one really good female and kind of like I was talking about before with the engineers I'd worked with and you know they'll have friends, they'll cluster. But I think even more importantly, because it can take a long time to find that first person, is to come up with new ways of sourcing. And it really goes back to the, you know, for example, the education thing I just mentioned. I went to community college and then I went to a state university. And, you know, those aren't always the background that that a lot of companies are looking for, but to maybe open their mind, open the horizons, look to girls who code, look to boot camps that are really focused on women and people from other diverse backgrounds and to give them a shot and and to even bring it in through a mentorship program. I've I know at Optimizely where I used to work, they had a really great program in engineering for for women and they would be paired with a, a mentor and then oftentimes they would get hired on. So I think it's really thinking about this from the ground up and being creative and not just leaning on your own network, whether it be from your university or your personal mm-hmm. connections. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned this earlier, so I'll, I'll double down. It's it's about expanding your vision for what the ideal profile is for your role and thinking about how bringing on folks from different backgrounds with different experiences can complement your team rather than mirror your team. So if you do have a lot of tech-heavy folks, maybe you look for folks who have sales backgrounds, marketing backgrounds, 
backgrounds presenting to folks like they're in a role where they are in front of groups, uh, a partnerships role. Your internal networks at your organizations are also a great resource. You could very easily pluck someone from within your internal org and turn them into an SE. We do that all the time. And I think most pre-sales leaders that I've spoken with have a great internal pipeline that they're managing and helping folks explore roles. So do that and make yourself available for that. And then lean into other communities, right? Like the Pre-Sales Collective is, is certainly one of them. Girls Who Code is another. Just thinking about places where you can tap into existing pre-sales professionals and bring them into your organization too. Even if they don't necessarily fit exactly what you're looking for in your role, develop enablement programs to help get people the rest of the way. It's fabulous advice. You're a wonderful coach, Courtney. Clearly, I can tell just from having a few conversations with you and curious to hear from you. How does that look as a female manager? Do, have you made any observations about how you coach your team as a, a woman who's managing them versus some of your male counterparts? And are there any things that men could maybe even adopt and learn from us in this profession? What stands out to me is this concept of leading with empathy. And I don't know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that only women do this or that women do this better, but I think they do this first and foremost. That concept of putting yourself in someone else's shoes, understanding something from their perspective, and then reacting based on that rather than reacting from your own experience, which may be especially like a position of privilege or something that you yourself in your profession have not experienced for whatever reason. So that's something that I I do and that women that I have reported to have done as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've learned um, some of my some of my most important general skills from my female managers. Like I had one manager, she wasn't a micromanager, but she would like to spot check things like my my emails, which I hadn't really done with any of my male managers in the past. And she would actually teach me like, here's how you can soften this. You can make this equally clear and to the point, but you can also make it more friendly. And just silly things like that that actually are not silly at all, but it, you know, it kind of felt like, oh you know, why is she taking the time to like check my work this closely? But those are the things that really stuck with me and I think have made people around me more comfortable as well. All right. Well, you sound like you would be a fantastic pre-sales leader to work for, but for all of the women out there and actually men too, who maybe don't have a bunch of females on their team or a female leader that they can go to, how would you suggest they go about finding mentorship in women in pre-sales? That's a, that's a great question. What, what I'll lean into is some of my favorite mentors that I've had actually haven't necessarily been pre-sales professionals. And I, I think that's because, A, everyone has an incredible, unique perspective based on their diverse background and where they've gone in their careers. So one of the most impactful mentors I have ever had actually was a marketing professional, and she's now uh, moved on to become a CMO. And leaning on her not necessarily from the pre-sales perspective, but like long-term career development, coaching discussions, how to advocate for myself was so incredibly valuable. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a pre-sales leader. So that's the first thing I'll say. But I think in 2021, we're over a year into uh, COVID. So we're all working remotely. We're pretty isolated. We're on our own islands uh, and I think people are really craving connection. And so whether it's finding someone on LinkedIn and reaching out, 
reaching out uh, within something like the pre-sales collective, connecting with other pre-sales folks and asking for their recommendations. I think people are really craving connection. So I wouldn't be shy about reaching out to someone maybe you don't have a relationship with um, and setting up time. And if you really get along with that person, really enjoy their insight and feel like you'll get along, ask for that longer term mentorship or sponsorship. But also don't get discouraged if you reach out to someone. Maybe it doesn't necessarily feel like the best fit. Keep trying uh, because there's great people out there and and I'm sure that you'll find them. Yeah, it's it's a really good point. You know, we are living in a virtual world now, and it doesn't mean that everyone you reach out to will be a perfect match, but I think people do tend to be responsive. And there are organizations and groups like the Presales Collective who um, are making it really easy to start women affinity groups. So Wise Women in Solution Excellence is a, a great program. We at Vivin have a chapter that we just kicked off, and we'll be opening it up to Uh, external folks too. So keep an eye out for that. But overall, wonderful advice today, Courtney. What I heard mainly is if you're looking to get into pre-sales as a woman, be brave. Just try it out. You know, you can you can learn a lot on the job. You can learn a lot on your own. You don't have to have the perfect cookie cutter background necessarily to give it a go. And there's a place for you. As a manager who's hiring, be flexible. You can train a lot of the skills that are necessary. Go to different sources to to hire where you might not always look. If you're looking for a new kind of demographic, you might need to change your profile. You might need to be a little bit more flexible, and you certainly may need to look at other places, including hiring internally. And when it comes to mentorship, be open to all kinds. It can be uh, somebody from a different part of your organization. It can be someone who's actually a peer and more of, more of this friend tour phrase that I love. So Courtney, thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate your presence, your advice, and thanks for all of your inspiration. Thanks for having me. This was wonderful. 